Welcome to Live and Love Your Brand, a podcast to support you in sharing your message and mission with the world. I'm your host, Emma Lovell. I'm lovely by name, lovely by nature. I'm a personal branding specialist with a mission to support female entrepreneurs to live and love their brand. I've been running my business, Lovely Communications, for more than 12 years, and I can hand on heart say that my success has come from the strength of my personal brand. I believe in the power of owning and sharing our story. I want to help you own your story, shop consistently, and really put yourself out there. So here on the podcast, you'll find helpful tips, practical exercises, and joyful discussions that will inspire you to reconnect with your brand and communicate it more effectively. I'll be joined by incredible experts to discuss how personal branding can have a huge impact on your business and on your life. I'd love to hear from you, so please make sure to connect over on social media. You can find me on Instagram at lovelycoms, that's L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, double the L means double the life, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and you can join in the conversation in our lovely community, the Live and Love Your Brand Facebook group. Of course, make sure to come back weekly as each new episode drops. I can't wait to share with you how to gain clarity, build confidence, and increase connections all by sharing your unique personal brand with the world. Lovely Communications is based on the Gold Coast and recognises Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first peoples of this place, now known as Australia. We are grateful for the continuing care of the lands, waterways and skies where we work, live, listen, learn and play. From here on your Gumbe country and from wherever you are listening, we respect the elders past, present and emerging. Today on the podcast, I am honoured to welcome the incredible Grace Arach, who is a former child soldier and survivor and the founder of Better Kigen. I met Grace through World Vision Australia when she was speaking about her experience and I wanted to share her story. I wanted to hear her share her story because Grace is an example of how to share with vulnerability, but also still how to protect yourself and keep yourself safe and share your mission and the impact you're meant to have on the world, the way that she has taken her experience and is able to convert it into a story and and share that repeatedly is just incredible. And I know that sometimes talking about our own story can be challenging and confronting, but I just think once you've heard Grace's story, it's really going to inspire you to share your own, uh, not to compare, but to see that you can be vulnerable, you can have experiences and challenges, and you, then you can go on to do something incredible. So Grace Arach is a child soldier survivor, founder of Better Kigen, which is a charity established to pick up where foreign aid has left off. She's providing hope to people who were abducted and traumatised by war in northern Uganda, the LRA, and she now passionately wants to help other survivors in Uganda and who continue to suffer from the effects of their abuse. So Better Kigen Limited will offer psychosocial and psychological services, including trauma-informed counselling, mental health to women and children born in, born in captivity and former abductees and their family. This shall make contribution towards post-war psychological healing, recovery, supporting community, social economic integration and prompting harmony and reconciliation to prevent stigma, discrimination and isolation of former child soldiers and their families and give a better understanding of mental health and PTSD. I am just so grateful to have met Grace. I am now actually on the board of Better Again and I'm, I'm so proud to be on that and to be supporting this very, very important work. Um, I just must, must give a trigger warning, probably should have given that at the start. We are tackling issues, uh, mental health issues. We are talking about um, really war and post-traumatic stress and some really intense topics. So just a trigger warning there, uh, but but this is Grace's story and she shares it with Grace. Uh, it's the most perfect name for this woman. So a bit of a longer intro than I would usually give, but uh, please, please uh, welcome Grace Arach.
Hi, Grace. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So I always start by asking a big question uh, and you get to answer it however you want. But tell us, who are you? Okay, thank you. So uh, my name is Grace Arach and um, I am a a former child um, soldier survivor of civil war in northern Uganda. Um, I escaped um, after five years of brutal abuse and I was fortunate to receive um, help or support uh, from Children of War um, Rehabilitation Centre where I received counselling. We did a lot of um, teaching about forgiveness and, you know, um, about hope. And and I went back to school. I was fortunate to get someone to sponsor me to go back to school. And then, um, you know, also later on came to Australia and I live in Sydney, Western Sydney. And I am now a professional qualified social worker. I work here as a early year specialist. And uh, yeah, so thanks for having me. Oh, Grace, it is such a pleasure. Um, and I met Grace through World Vision when I was actually working with World Vision. So I took a contract as a uh, in the public relations team. I also did some work in the social media team and Grace was a speaker with World Vision at that time. Uh, Can you just tell us a little bit about that connection with World Vision and then the, the, the nights and you were telling us how you shared your story? I, yeah, so um, as I mentioned, so I was abducted by um, the Lord Resistant Army, which is led by Joseph Kony. And um, I spent five years and 10 months with them before I escaped. So when I escaped and came back to Uganda, I went to uh, World Vision um, Children of War Rehabilitation Center, where we, um, all the children on at the rehabilitation center um, is over 30,000 children who have passed through that center. And um, while we were there, uh, we, they had to help us with what we have gone through, uh, the trauma and, um, and all during the war and also um, how we can settle back um, into the community. So we receive a lot of, of, of help while I was there with other children as well. And I have also, while I was at the rehabilitation center, uh, um, I helped um, to um, link the um, the former child soldiers within the center um, with World Vision as well. Because uh, as you know, um, these are little children who um, were abducted. So I think we all lost trust in adult, uh, mm-hmm. but. Um, they had trust in me, so I was a little bit uh, flexible and I could understand things quickly, so I would help um, World Vision um, to communicate with the children. And also just I was just in between um, trying to bridge the gap and build a relationship with some other children who were not comfortable to um, speak to someone that they don't know or the adult that they had that trust to build the trust. And, and also um, I... I also work, um, go into the community to check on other former child soldiers and we were doing campaign, um, 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 educating people um, the effect of war and because there was a lot of stigma in the community. So we we're trying to educate the community to welcome the former child soldiers who have returned mm-hmm. and also know that it wasn't their fault. So what they need is support. Uh, for them to reintegrate back into the community. And some of the programs was um, sponsored uh, by World Vision as well. Yeah, I just, when I saw you speak, um, it was called A Night of Hope. Uh, Yeah. And I just, even the way you talk about it now, I mean, it's something... Like I just, I've heard you talk about it a number of times. Um, I, I I worked on your story. I wrote about your story because PR and, but just to hear you say it and, you know, it's a, 
well, it was a, tra- a trauma, a traumatic thing, but you can also hear the work that you've done on yourself and the work that you've done over the years to be able to tell that story and um, to not uh, let it, I guess, uh, control you. You're controlling the story. Um, yeah, so um, when I met you, uh, we were doing what they call a night of hope. Um, so a, a night of hope was a program run um, to um, um, support child sponsor- sponsorship around the world. And I think I would share uh, my experience in, I think, um, one um, is to um, show the audience that actually child sponsorship works, uh, because if I wasn't sponsored, I could have not been who I am today. And also, secondly, to um, to educate people that uh, the um, people around the world that uh, are going through war, and because not everyone is aware um, that war that that what happened, um, that children were being abducted and brainwashed and trying um, to fight, and young girls given to all the men as their wives and all that and to create awareness as well and the third thing was to give hope to the people that that despite of what happened um you can still pick up life and be who you want to be and that makes it I, i think also for me it was kind of a healing process for me as well mm. you know because when i share like um programs shared and also, I feel like um, because um, I feel like I don't I don't carry all the burden um, by myself because I've shared, and 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 most time also at the end, people will a uh, few people will come to me and saying, from today I feel I don't have problem. I should be a happy person and all that. I think uh, it gives um um. Uh, it, people that um, regardless of what happened you can always pick up life um you can choose who you want to be it might be hard i always tell people i chose to be happy mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that i am a good person happy that i don't really um experience uh, nightmares i still do but because i always hope then I said, oh, probably tomorrow will be better and all that. So um, it's just that what happened, it shouldn't control your life. Uh, of course, you can't forget, but you can try to see way forward and, 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 and live a better life. And that can only happen through the support that you have because I feel really um, fortunate to have all the support that I have had. I've had um, an example, my sponsor from the US, which is now like my dad mm. and always had support and he always said, I'm so proud of you and all that. Mm. And I've, I've had friends who always are there. And so I feel really, really um, fortunate compared to um, other former child soldiers who are um, at home in Uganda. No one has had their story. They haven't spoken to anyone. They don't have any support. They don't have any help. So I feel like that was kind of a healing process. Like I'm not saying I've healed a hundred percent, but it has made me much better, and I feel um stronger. So yeah. Oh, Grace, you know I think you're remarkable, and I the name Grace is the most perfect name for you because you have such grace. Um, considering what you've been through and I just admire it so much and I I never tire of hearing you speak but I also always say to you are you are you okay to tell this you know are you okay to share this and you know you you do it in a way I understand that feels safe for you um yeah I I I did try to um see which way is safe and also um I think usually I try to mentally uh prepare myself and 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 as I said I feel like I I have recovered uh better but most time um 
when I'm talking about my story, I just uh, trying to imagine uh, uh, people who are, are in Uganda and and they haven't had anyone spoken to them or listened to them. And then I just picture them instead of myself because I feel like I'm much better and, you know, there's less stigma here. And every time I go home, I listen to their story. I make sure that I, 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 I visit Fee. And then they always have sad story. And then I just um, feel for them than myself. So usually when I'm sharing my story, it's not just only me, like, like you know, over like 30,000 um, for um, children or so many children around the world that have gone uh, through that and, and no one has had their story and they haven't had the chance to tell that story to anyone to uh, and I'm not saying um, telling a story for everybody is a healing process uh, for people are different but I feel um, story telling story is very uh, powerful in recovering um, and healing as well absolutely and you know so you recently went back to Uganda and you do go back to Uganda you're living in Australia now but you go back to Uganda and, you know, does it feel like going home to you or what's that, what's that like? How, how are you, I guess, blending your Australian life and your Uganda? <laughs> I, I think I'm really confused so, uh, because here in Australia, I live by myself and then uh, Australia is really busy. I think most especially Sydney. And most time, um, by myself, but I feel more here is home. So mm-hmm. now, is when I go home, when I go back to Uganda, I have friends, and like I, I, I have families. Friends now, not that much because I think most of my friends have moved, and they've like their, um, their vision or something. I think is different. Um, they're married, they have children, and all that, so that is a different um uh setup. But uh, let's say at home. So when I'm home, like I have my siblings there, and I'll have my other step sibling comes, and like all the time the house is full, and like you're cooking for like fourteen people, you're eating, cracking jokes, and laughing, and all day. And then when I come here, it's just me by myself, sitting at the dining by myself, and all that. So. I always struggle when I come back to settle. I would like getting back from busy life and having people around you 24-7 and laughing and all that, and then coming back to where by you're by yourself. But um, in terms of home, I feel here is more home because they said always home is where you live. So when I go there, I go for a visit and I come back home. Yeah. So, yeah. So. Yeah. And how yeah. In for you, I mean, you're feeling very comfortable here, but you know, and I love actually today. This is a podcast, so people can't see, but Grace is wearing this beautiful, bright, <laughs> coloured, uh, like it's, she's very much representing <laughs> Uganda today <laughs> with her colourful clothes. Which obviously, as soon as the Zoom opened, I was like, I love your top. <laughs> it speaks to me the the all the colourful African. But um, how is it? For you, uh, being I guess being different here. Um, I think though, to be honest, I haven't really um experienced that much. Uh, the only challenge is um, as I said, people are busy. Mm. And- I and and um, I think at uni when I because I started at Sydney Uni. And I was doing uh, my placement, and I had a, a horrible. Um, I, um, my supervisor, and she would always remind. I think by then I wouldn't stand for myself because I was just being polite. This African person, you have to be polite. You have to respect the elders and that because she was a elder, like a elderly lady. And she would always say, and she would ask me, do you know about white privilege? And so then I think about it, I said, probably I should have challenged her. 
But other than that, and I haven't really experienced that much being different and because I have friends from all cultural backgrounds. Like I have um I have you, I have Megan, I have Alison, I have um Yvonne from um UK. So like is is all mixed and um so I haven't experienced that much actually to be honest. Um so the only thing that makes it different is because I don't have the families just by myself. Yeah. And people are busy and then you can't just go to someone's place and say I'm coming and you have to book time and all that. I think I think that's the only um challenge, I think. Um and our work, so at my workplace we're mixed from everywhere. And then there's another African lady as well so not only me two of us so yeah actually I haven't haven't experienced that and I haven't experienced um because someone says something because I'm racist like they're being racist because I'm African I I haven't I had that so yeah maybe um, yeah I I think I'm really I'm so happy to hear that um and I know you have a beautiful uh very multicultural selection of friends and where you live as well in in Sydney so and I mean you said before that it this feels like home and that's such a a lovely thing that you feel comfortable here but I don't know maybe your openness as well and you have you have a very open um aura about you I want to say but that maybe it's not a problem but I love that you're one of the reasons I wanted Grace to come on here, I must say, is because Grace is just so herself. Like you just are so grounded and comfortable in yourself. And I feel like no matter where you are, you're going to show up as you. And whether you were talking on the stage where I've seen you or we are talking here one-on-one or we're, we're in a group, I feel like we're going to get it the same Grace. <laughs> Uh yeah, I I think I try to be the same, and I think it's it's just good to be um you who you are um uh, you can only be um change or be uh, flexible and open minded um uh, according to the uh, uh people you work with uh, or if there's need for you to but I think it's it's good to be who you are. Um, so long as you're not uh, being um, very aggressive or arrogant or creepy. <laughs> yeah. 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 If you're like that, you should change who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think if that, then you should change who you are. And <laughs> life being flexible um, is the best because um, at home, I, 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 because here now I'm trying to adjust because sometimes you say hello to people, they don't say hello back. And now mm-hmm. I, but um, I think I think I was talking to my mom. Or mom called me, and I was talking to her. And then I I told her, I said, "Mom, do you know actually, um, because I uh, you you greet everyone, whether you know them or not. You can even yell to the next one, good morning, how are you? Yes. And I got told mom, yeah. And then I told mom, I said, we can't do that. Even my next neighbor, Dory, I don't know them. My mom said, what kind of world do you live in? I think you changing who you are but then I said mom sometimes I try to to speak to them they don't speak back people are just all on their phone like looking or something and they don't respond back to you so is is like is it is a different setting so I had to learn not to say hello to people all the time because probably they don't want to and sometimes I smile uh, sometimes I also don't yeah I can't live like that that is a horrible life. You have to say hello to everyone. I said, no. And so I think that I've changed that. So I have to adapt to where I am. But otherwise, in my culture, there's no way you pass anyone without saying hello. You get so much in trouble. Oh, and I I had the, the fortune of going to visit Uganda with World Vision in yeah. 2015. And... I got to experience that for myself. Uh, 2014, actually, sorry. And yeah, I just, it, and that's why I'm laughing as you're talking because I could just picture they're saying hello and welcome. And yeah. Yeah. Straight away, you're, you're yeah. welcome. Yeah. 
that's what they say yeah you are welcome yeah welcome. yeah yeah <laughs> the way they pronounce it you're yeah. welcome <laughs> you're welcome yeah so that is the central people kampala the city bagandas they speak to that you're welcome yeah i love i'm like my face i'm smiling so much and i i <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm smiling, but I'm also like, oh, it's so sad. Like, and the, you know, I'm saying, I'm I'm kind of thinking, I'm more African because I probably say hello to everyone and <laughs> welcome everyone. But then I made you do a booking to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you being a professional, don't mind. Yes, I explained to my mom, I have to change, and so my point is, so changes like that is fine. It's not gonna affect anyone. You just have to adapt. Because I would feel really bad, like, you know, greeting people, or like you haven't said hello, you haven't smiled and all that. And because I used to go for a walk. So when we started working from home, we went, I used to go for a walk for my lunch walk. So there's a there's an elderly lady, I think she said she was 85. I haven't gone for a while, I'm not sure. Um, So I went, I met her once. So I walked and then she said, hello. Then I said, hello, how are you? I said, I'm good. And she was just doing gardening and flowers. And then so, and then she realized she timed my time because I am consistent with the time. So then she'll be sitting there waiting for me. And then I realized like I don't have now my uh, my lunch hour 15 minutes because my lunch is 30 minutes. So I have to divide into two. I realized that that, that time is to spend with her because and she would sit there wait for me so there was a time I think meeting took long I think I had some parents uh, a little bit um, I had to do a lot because she was crying and all that and so then I didn't go and then the next day when she said I waited for you yesterday you didn't come (laughs) yes and then she told me like she had only one son and then the son um, has cancer and then the son didn't marry I think they were from some country and yeah so she told me the whole of our story and she always waiting for me and then I just decided so I'm just gonna divide my time so I'm gonna just be back like I'm back home then I just sit and chat with her and she'll be so happy I'll see you tomorrow and they're like you know and so it was it was really lovely because so with the elderly people I always try to um, talk to them because like that lady she she doesn't have anyone to speak to mm-hmm. and this was dying with cancer and so she's by herself she has this big house and just told me when she came to Australia she was a secretary typewriter and all that and that and that and that like you no know, we just sit and laugh like we met long time ago but now and you know, so such kind of people, I would still say hello, probably. Um, but then other people, they're on their phone and they're young ones, so, like, you just let them be. Yeah, so. Oh, I don't want you to ever change your hellos. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> and maybe somebody hopefully looks up from their phone. <laughs> you have um, taken your experience and your your story and you're now doing something pretty incredible and you've started an organization. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so because um it's like I am one person who believe in hope that tomorrow will be better. And that's why I'm still here. But also um most time, as I said, I go home um and then I meet with uh the former child soldiers who are back in the community and till now there's a lot of stigma there's a lot of discrimination isolation and also there's no service um in place so i started a charity um called um better Kigen limited which means living with hope and as we know um most of the former child soldiers have lost hope um hope in life and because I most of them um haven't gone to school and now there's no work and all that so they're struggling with life and so then I said okay how about we start something um that is meaningful and I'm I'm always even when I'm doing um when I'm doing when I was still doing a night of hope I, I still talk about hope and I still believe that 
I'm hopeful that one day will be better and all that. So um, we started a, a charity, uh, which is, we gave it the local name with my local language, actually uh, from Northern Uganda. So basically um, we set it up um, to pick up where the foreign aid had left, uh, because now what we know with the foreign aid is, is always um, keep on moving where there's still active war. Uh, but then uh, I think most time they forget um, that is actually not so the silence of gun doesn't mean the war has ended. The war has just started mm. because the aftermath of the war um, is the worst. And that is what uh, people in northern Uganda are going through at the moment. And there's no service um for the former child soldiers or their families or the community itself. So there's a lot of uh, mental health issues. And so we thinking of providing um, counseling, um, psych psychosocial and psychological support to the former child soldiers who are still struggling with the aftermath of the war and um, trauma. And also realize there's intergeneration trauma. Yeah. So now, um, I was starting the charity looking at to stop the intergeneration trauma before it goes really, really down deep. Um, for example, so um, when we were abducted, our, our parents um, were traumatized. And so um, some of us um, came back with children that were born in captivity. And those children, they returned when some of them who escaped managed to escape like me, they came back with the children. And, and 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 now they're transferring the trauma to their children because remember um, our parents are already traumatized and we give birth to the children the children are traumatized we are traumatized so the the, the um the trauma will continue and they'll pass and our children will pass to the other children and not only that the community itself uh, after the war there's still um so much mental health issues and I listen to the local radio. So many people are committing suicide. Mm. And, and, and at the moment, there's very limited understanding of mental health. So there's uh, a lot of that needs to be done um, as there's no um, service in place as well. And I still um, believe that there's need of uh, advocating for the um, human rights uh, because uh, the former child soldiers being discriminated and stigmatized and isolated um, due to um, their experience or what they've gone through is not right. So they need support around them for them to um, to get back or to reintegrate better into uh, the community. Because what makes it so complex is the way our system or the society work, like everybody work together but if you're isolated it's very painful and so that's what they're going through so I hope um, this um, uh, the charity uh, will help to provide those services um, that and also to build a center um, also one thing that made me to um, think about this is all along, um, as I said, the first time I returned, I escaped after uh, five years, 10 months, I went straight to um, World Vision Rehabilitation Center. And that was my safe space. So even when I was here in Australia, I go back, if I go back to Uganda before I see anyone or I'll go home to my mom, I'll first go to the center. Mm. Yeah, stay there for some time. I feel like I'm home, then I'll leave the place and go home. So I think it was 2019, I went home and the center wasn't there. Mm. So I remember, yeah, I remember really being upset and, and I was crying and I said, so where is our safe space? And so I, it wasn't only me. So I met few from my child soldiers. They were just saying, um, and I was a little bit disappointed because that is our history. And that is the most important place that should be kept kept and preserved. But it seems like no one cared or the government didn't care. And by the time I went there and I went to the district and asked them, they said, well, we can't do anything because that land was given to not permanently to World Vision. So it was for Ministry of Works, 
And I went trying to ask, they just look at me, what's wrong with this child or something? So no one took me seriously. So part of it as well, we want to build a center and to be like a safe space where, you know, people share experience and then also learn from other people how they've lived and, and then they can um, go back and try to practice and get strategy as well to help each other. Uh, because when the center was there, uh, sometimes there's too much in sh- uh, too much emotional and all that they can't handle. They could come back at mm. the center and then uh, they, what they used to call it relapse. So they come back at the center and spend some time there, give them more strategy, do counseling when they're ready to go back into the community. As I say, the community itself is very toxic. We know many uh, former child soldiers have been rejected by their own parents or their family and all that. They have no one to turn to. Um, So then the center was a safe place. They would come and share their experience. And, you know, they feel home. They feel at home like they were doing. That is over 30,000 children feel that that was their safe space and now have it and then I said well and then probably you know so one of the goals as well to build that to build a center where they they can come in as well and not only that they they are children that still have now they're young adults now that still have bullets on their body they have pain day and night and now there's no any other service to help and remove them or help buy them medication or a painkiller or something. Uh, some of us, we were lucky that uh, our bullets were removed, but not everyone was lucky as well. So those kinds of services that we expect that when we the charity kicked up, we will try to provide and get people to volunteer to come and help in all different ways and you know, and as I usually tell people, um, there's very many people want someone to listen to them. You don't have to have money. You don't have to have anything. Um, me, um, when I was at the, the rehabilitation center, I used to go into, the, I didn't have anything. I didn't, hadn't yet gone to school, but I had time. So I would go and sit with them, most especially the girls who came back with their children and their parents rejected them asking them to take the children to their father's home. And most of their fathers have died at the battlefield and they never told them where they come from. And mm-hmm. you don't have rights to ask them, where is your village? Who is your parents and all that. So then they were living by themselves and I would go there, play with them, just smile and then play with the kids and tell stories and laugh. That is all what I would do. And that is all what they needed, someone to be there you know, so people can volunteer, just go even play soccer. Like you have a soccer team, play with them, run around, do whatever. That is very important in people's life because most time people think for you to make a difference, you have to have billions of, of dollars or something. Um, yeah. true. Well, the dollar help as well, but also yeah. so your time and you being there, your interests. And, and that's and because of doing that, that's why I was awarded um, the Youngest Woman Achiever of the Year in 2009 for just being there and giving my time. And so, yeah, so we, when at, at the moment we're in the process of doing the registration and also working on the website. So we would love um, people to give us a hand and just make a difference in your own way so that we make a world a better place for everybody because everyone deserves a second chance. Uh, I was given a second chance and that's why who I am today and I'm grateful so we can still continue doing it to other people as well and so I want to contribute back and like give back to the community and also do my part as well in making a world a better place and everybody having equal opportunity regardless of their experience so that's why we started um, that's why I started um, the foundation Living with Hope. I love it, Grace. Better Keegan. And I'm honoured to be on the board uh, and to be supporting you. And I'm so excited for the future. And I know there's, you know, it's a process, but your dream is so strong and you share it so well. And I think anyone who's listening, um, if this is something that you feel you want to participate in or want to know more about or would like to to help or, or just follow the story, then please uh, connect 
uh, you can email me or you can message um, us. Uh, Grace, how, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, they can um, uh, email me in my email. So it's gr.arach um, at gmail.com or they can just give me a call or a text, which is um, 0469-767-404. Thank you. I love it, Grace. You're so, you're just going to have people calling you saying, hi, Grace, how are you? <laughs> I'm just going to have a chat. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to have a chat. Too. <laughs> She's like, hello, and just hang up. <laughs> She's like, hello. <laughs> but I just want to get, just for some context, because some people aren't so familiar with it, but how old were you when, and how old were you? And I guess, um, how many years ago was this war happening and then still impacting the community now? Um. So I think they said the war um started in 1986 um, um which was um started by Joseph Kohn and he believed he he believed to be um spiritually led so he calls himself um a self uh, proclaimed prophet and so uh his um uh philosophy is i guess um I kind of um say related to the Bible, um kind of, but then um the Ten Commandments and all that. And also uh, I guess one of um the other reasons saying uh, the northern part of the country is poor, so there's no equal um um equal power, I guess. So an example, uh they are no um um, people from the north, there are not many in the government, the current government. And also he's saying he's fighting for his people. But then one could ask, if you're fighting for your people, um, why kill them and, 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 and why abduct um, um, children? And then he, he would um, interpret the Bible and say Jesus got upset and hit people in the temple and also he abducted his disciples. So um, there's no... Um, clear reason um, why he did but they did say it started as a holy spirit or something like that he was possessed but i think as now um sometimes because after studying a little bit of mental health i feel like he's kind of uh psychopath or he has a little bit of of mental health doesn't really make sense but i don't know much about that it's just my analysis and trying to understand what was going on so when i was abducted i was 12 years um um so yeah 12 yeah so 12 so i mean yeah so it's a long it, <laughs> i'm give you age but it was a long time ago but this is still impacting and like you said it's it's not just that one child was impacted it was the parents the grandparents and then the children of that person and then the children of their children. So there's a lot of challenge and trauma still in the community, even though this is something that started 36 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's, 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 it's still going. And also, you know, usually also uh, with war, there's also poverty as well. So uh, because of the people's mental health, they struggle as well to, um, you know, in food production and all that. So it's just a combination of poverty and mental health and 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 so many things as well. Um, but uh, mental health is 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 the highest and most especially uh, intergeneration trauma. Um, that no one is is looking at it. And as I mentioned, mental health uh, is not a big thing because is interpreted differently um Over there. Yeah. So i think generally in Af in africa at all i guess mental health still people has very lim limited understanding uh because if someone has mental health they'll say probably um you might have um, um done something wrong for your ancestors so like you're being punished um and so so that there's still that limited understanding and then you find uh, people commit suicide because I do listen to uh, the local radio every day and I always remind them that 
people they need to get more mental health and i saw on the news today i think uh, the local news they said all schools have to hire a psychologist mm -hmm. and that is not the, the problem how would that solve the problem but yeah so it's just um it's still impact impacting because everyone in the northern part of the country either direct or indirect has been affected by the war mm. you know? and yeah. people people were internally displaced so they were in camps for a very long time mm. and and yeah so and then when the camps were uh, dissolved they didn't have a strategy on what needs to be done so people are still confused and all that so yeah i think it's gonna is is a is a is a long process and because there's no effort being put into there's no service in place so it, i think it's it's gonna be a long way to recovery and it will continue um and intergeneration trauma is gonna be really really huge and uh, that's why my face is more in um mental health and all that however also of course with time we have to see uh livelihood which is uh sustainability probably in food production or or income generating activity uh for the women to be able to support their children uh yeah. and feeding as well uh but i think the first thing first is first to um see that they've got strategy on how to work on their mental health and then 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 they can do that as well so it's there's a lot of things um that needs to be done but I, for me you're starting, you're starting and you have hope and you know yeah. I did I did smile and I was smiling before because Grace was saying usually when a war happens and I, I smile not because it's funny but because it's not normal and it's not usual and it um it shouldn't it shouldn't be normal and usual but in some places in the world that is what has been experienced whereas for me I, I don't know what a war feels like or what a war experience is experienced like and um you know and it, it was reminding me of when I worked at World Vision you get used to seeing so much um challenge and so many issues in the world and then we would it was terrible looking at pictures and you're like, oh, that's a really good photo because it shows how much damage has been done. And it, not that we enjoyed the photo, but you were like, yes, this is a good representation to show people and make the impact. Yeah. And it just changes you. And so when you're talking, I, I know all of these things. And that's why I'm asking you a few more questions just to explain to other people uh, yeah. who aren't used to, for them, it's not normal to have the war, but we need to be educated and understand that there are these things happening around and, and that's where better Kigen is going to make the difference. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, it's true that some people haven't experienced and they don't know how it is, but uh, it's, it's good that you don't really have to uh, because they um, is, it's just um too much you need um so much um support you might not even recover at all and uh to a certain extent uh i'm glad that um most of the um children in africa they have that resilient build in them mm. um and something has really really happened so badly we can still handle it um but yeah so it's because sometimes I just want to say, but why am I just, I feel okay. And and then you find, um, because definitely for me, um, I I didn't grow up with my, my parents. And so my stepmom was really, so generally as a child, I never enjoyed any life because my stepmom was really, really bad. And she would first let her children eat and I'll eat later. And then she would let me sleep on the floor and I don't cover in the night. I'm cold and all that. But then you just um, see that I have gone through a lot. But then because for some reason, I don't know how I build a resilient. I don't know how to explain. Um, or I just probably try to be tough or um, I don't know. And I just uh, find myself every day getting up. 
and keep going. And I, I think there was a time some of my siblings were misbehaving and mom just told them, like I said, no one taught Grace, but she knows so much and she's so respectful and she didn't have anyone to teach her. And yeah, but then I just, sometimes probably you're just lucky or something. So I, I don't know how to explain. Um, but then I just find um, some people that they've had a very um, slight um slight something happened in their life and it's just um ruined them completely um depression all the time and mental health and they can't pick up life and all that so i feel like the Saturday next and we have that resilient build i guess in us um and you do, you've done the work as well grace and you are doing that work and and like you said the way that you've Learn to tell your story and to come back to that story. I think you've done it so well. And I'm, I'm so grateful for who you are and for sharing who you are and for the difference that you're making. Uh, I, I've seen it firsthand and uh, I know that there's so much more to come and I'm excited to share this journey with you. So we have your contact details. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going to put your email and we'll have a website soon to share with people, um, but stay, it's B-E-D-O space K-I space G-E-N. That's Better Keegan Living with Hope. That's and right. Grace, I'm so thankful for you coming and talking on the podcast and, and sharing with us so generously. Yeah, uh, thank Thank you. Thank you for joining me today for another episode of Live and Love Your Brand. I'm so grateful that you've shared your time by listening today. That means so much to me. And if you're loving what you're learning, I would be so appreciative if you'd leave a review, rate this podcast and subscribe. It really shows me that you care, but it also helps other listeners to find us too. Again, please be sure to connect with me. I love hearing from you and getting to know your story. You can connect with me on Instagram at Lovely Comms, Facebook, Lovely Communications, and please do join the gorgeous community, Live and Love Your Brand, our Facebook group. Or if you're ready to take action now and want to improve how you show up in the world with your brand, then head on over to lovelycommunications.com. Again, lovely is L-O-V-E-L-L-Y, communications.com to learn how you can work with me. My clients have gone on to experience opportunities that they could never have dreamed of. From starting businesses to taking leadership in their own life, they have found the confidence to stand in who they are and to go wholeheartedly after what they truly want in life. And I want that for you too. If you're ready to invest in yourself and reconnect with who you are, then let's chat. Thank you again for listening. Now go into the world and share the beauty that is the uniqueness of you. Catch you next week, lovely.